You're listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. It's 9.01 Central Time, 10.01 Eastern Time. We now bring you Battle Ready with Father Dan Rehill. Good day. Welcome to Battle Ready. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yesterday, I was teaching the children at our Three Hearts Academy about the seven last words from the cross, because our little children have been uh, helping us with the Stations of the Cross every Friday by announcing the station and its number. Uh, I thought we would go a little deeper into that as we approach Holy Week. And of course, this Sunday, uh, Passion Tide Sunday, or Palm Sunday, we, we read the whole narrative of the Passion of Jesus. And so I thought we would go into this a little bit today. This would be a very good um, meditation for you to make uh, from somewhere between now and uh, Good Friday, meditating on the words that Jesus spoke from the cross. Um, the church has always uh, allowed for us to pull them all together because they come from different gospels. They're not all in one gospel, but we can pull them together for the purpose of meditating on them. And we must realize, you know, this, this very painful and gory death that he suffered was one of a death of by suffocation because uh, the human body cannot breathe very long in this position of being crucified and uh, he was already beaten and bloody wounded he would have had his body battered and his muscles in pain uh, the flogging would have left open wounds across his whole body which are now being infiltrated by his sweat, which would be burning them, um, the crown of thorns ripping into his scalp, the cross upon his shoulders would have been so heavy and burdensome. He's in extreme pain, dislocated shoulders, not to mention the nails through his hands and feet. Uh, just a complete plethora of pain and suffering. So to speak would have required a monumental effort to pull himself up, gasping for air, just to emit a sound. And having been hanging there for hours, he had only the strength to utter these seven little words and then one great cry. So this is something uh, we should ponder. And why, I said to the kids yesterday, why did he do this? They all had good answers and, and they were all on track to open up heaven to uh, restore us to the Father. These are all true. But what's ultimately the reason? Because he loved us. This is the supreme act of love God has for you, that he would take your sins upon himself and get on the cross and offer his body to the Father so that you could uh, be rectified in the grace and love of the Father in heaven. And... Um, have heaven opened once again to you. So we have to go back to the very beginning. 
in the beginning was the word. Word implies speech. And the, this word can be heard. It's come down to us. It became flesh. And then it, this person, the word becoming flesh, is Jesus. He gave himself up for us. And with Jesus' last cry, something comes to an end forever. So his temporal life will never come again. The mystery... Uh, of this whole passion, death, and resurrection uh, is a divine act, and so it stands before us forever. It stands before us forever. And there were so many uh, beautiful people that entered into this, this moment in his life that we have a record of, you know, of uh, Simon of Cyrene, of helping him carry the cross, of Veronica. Veronica in Latin is... Uh, very, the very icon. So her, her name became what she was given by Jesus, the imprint of his face on her veil. And of course, his mother and the uh, Apostle John and Magdalene uh, who were at the cross. So when we consider about all the these unspeakable sufferings in the life of Jesus, particularly at the end, there were also great moments of joy and we have to remember that too uh, when we enter into remembering his last words this is a man who lived a life of tremendous happiness and joy with Joseph and Mary and in a constant union with his father in heaven we have to remember that his divinity was in no way diminished by his humanity and so uh, when he became man he observed the work of men, of fishermen. He became a carpenter. He observed how uh, sowers of seeds go out to sow. Um, and ultimately, all these observations in his life would work their way into his teachings and his parables. Um, he grew in wisdom and knowledge, just like all of us do in his humanity. And so... Uh, Let's go to the first word that we hear from the cross. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. There were two criminals hanging next to him. They were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place which is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's from Luke 23. So we must realize that the very first word from his hanging on the cross is Father. This is the same word he used at the raising of Lazarus. Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. I know that thou hearest me always. Now again, he will be heard the centurion will profess his faith. Thousands will be baptized on the day of Pentecost. Father, forgive them. So he's not focused on his own pain that he's concerned with, but on our sin. He's focused on our sinfulness. First, the wound, the offense, it is against God, and then the devastation it causes us. And for such a great evil, there's no remedy in the here and now against hatred and the unleashing of earthly instincts. He appeals to God's 
mercy in heaven. He even supplies an excuse. He says they don't know what they, they don't know who I am. If they did, they wouldn't be doing this to me. So in all that suffering I just described that Jesus is enduring, even his barely the ability to speak, his first word is, Father, forgive them. So clearly he's not like us. You know, imagine the pain of the, his predicament in your own body. Um, you know, if, if, sometimes if I just stub my toe, uh, I'm in tremendous pain and I get very cranky. Uh, and it's off-putting. This is somebody who has every square inch of his body crying out in pain and horrible suffering, not to mention the mocking of the crowd and the spitting on him, um, just a sheer abuse across the board. And in the midst of all that, his first word is, Father, forgive them. And he's not just speaking about the ones crucifying him and mocking him. He's speaking about us too. So that's that's the God we have, somebody that would, in all of his pain, is still thinking about us and our situation. Uh, I think it's important also to realize um, there would be this horrible, one of the most intense pains that Jesus would experience is watching his mother suffer at the cross. She had to go because it was her duty and her responsibility to be there because the Holy Spirit was calling her there. She's about to receive a new vocation at the cross, so she had to come. But that created even more pain for Jesus, watching her suffer, because she would be the most loved person in his life at that point, um, and watching her have to watch him suffer would only make his suffering worse. So it was just uh, a terrible situation all around. For Christ, this moment on the cross, he understands what's happening, and that's what gives him the fortitude and the courage to persevere in continuing offering himself to his father, because he knows this is going to set us free. His mother also knew this, and that uh, gave her the grace to persevere and stand there as well. In fact, Catherine Emmerich, blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich, in her writings, uh, God revealed to her that Mary was given a particular grace at the cross to stay alive because the pain she was experiencing in her heart was so great it would have killed her. So she was given a special grace to keep her alive, to endure that pain and suffering. Next, the second word we hear from the cross is, today you will be with me in paradise. This is also from Luke 23. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him vinegar, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do not fear. You do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. 
He replied, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. So it's not physical pain that made him cry out, at least not immediately. His first word was to dispense forgiveness for the whole world. Father, forgive them. And now the Father's forgiveness is ready to pour out. Forgiveness will forgive. It will immediately pardon the thief and wonderfully to the point of his salvation. So Jesus' second word is to uh, make a way for this thief to get to heaven with him. He's still thinking about others because he sees this man's heart and that he has true repentance. And so we, it's often said that the thief stole heaven. Not at all. He had true repentance. Jesus can see his heart and soul, and he acknowledges this man's uh, turn, turning away from his evils, having uh, sadness over them, and then looking to Jesus for help. And of course, Jesus doesn't let anybody down and says, this day you will be with me in paradise. What strikes me is this day, um, you know, the immediacy, uh, three things. So today, the promptness of the whole thing, you'll be with me. Oh, what perfect company for this thief to be in that he's, at the, he was crucified at the right time in the right place that he would be right next to Jesus and in paradise. So he's going to have this uh, moment of glory and that will last forever in heaven. So this thief, it turns out, was quite, uh, I don't use the word lucky because there's no, there's no uh, coincidences with God. Uh, this was ordained, you could say. Also, from Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich, is a story about this good thief, Dismas. So the way it, she was told by the Lord about this incident, it goes back to when Jesus was a baby. When Jesus was a baby and his parents were fleeing to Egypt, they, uh, at, during night time, one evening when it, they had to find shelter, they found a cave. And in this cave, there was uh, a family of professional thieves, a mother and a father who that was their business. They stole from people and they had a little baby newborn who had contracted leprosy and was covered in sores. Uh, and Mary uh, filled up a trough with water to bathe Jesus. And when she was done, she left the water in the trough and told the woman, the thief in the cave, to place her baby in the water. And the, the mother of the thief, the thief mother placed her baby in the water and the baby with the leprosy was instantly healed and had perfect skin. Uh, and so uh, they were astounded by this miracle. And of course, it would never leave their mind. Uh, and of course, when the boy grew up, at some point they told him about this miraculous event that had happened to him through this little baby that had been in the water before him. Um, well, fast forward 32 years or so. And the little baby went into the family business and he became a thief. And now he's hanging on the cross next to Jesus. And he has a, a, a divine recollection of that moment when he was healed. And he realizes that the baby is the, the man on the cross next to him, Jesus. And that's where he starts saying to the other thief, do not deride him. He's a good and holy man. Um, and so even 
I mean, when you hear these stories, you don't have to believe them because it's private revelation. But of course, the, her writings uh, have been sanctioned by the church, by the bishop of her own region where she's from and others. Uh, and so the more I, I read about the life of Jesus through mystics, the more I've come to realize that everything that happened in his life had come to full circle by the end of his life with all the people he knew, this thief being no exception. Uh, and doesn't that make you, uh, it can, gives me a certain happiness and even a satisfaction knowing that even though this, this man went off to a life of crime, that at the end of his life, Jesus would restore him. Uh, so he, 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 he rescued him at the beginning of his life and he rescued him at the end of his life. So, uh, and that's the kind of Jesus that I know. He's that's him. He's somebody that's always trying to restore us and recreate us in his own image. So uh, fascinating uh, little tidbit about the second word from the cross. We will now go to the third word. Behold your mother. This is from John 19. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing near, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Uh, this third word reveals to us that now Jesus is, uh, what is on his mind is taking care of his mother. He's still not thinking about himself. In fact, he never thinks about himself or his pain. He's focused on what he needs to do. And at this point, he needs uh, to accomplish two things. One, provide someone to take care of his mother when he's gone. And two, to now give his mother that his life on earth is over. He's now giving her to all of us that she could mother us for all of eternity. She will be our mother now. And so... At the moment that her heart is being stretched so wide by pain and suffering to the point that it's literally broken open, that broken open immaculate heart now receives all of us into it, and she takes us as her children. Uh, so this great act of uh, great mercy and love of Jesus is mirrored by his own mother, that in all of her suffering, in all of her pain, that she would receive us as her children. Uh, and take on this new vocation. You see, again, she's not focused on herself. She's focused on her son, and she's focused on whatever he desires. And his, his desire for her, this moment is that she would take us as her children. And so she does. And this word that he speaks to her, full of love, has the effect of... Uh, not of restoring her faltering strength because she's suffering, uh, but of including her in this solemn moment at the very heart of the drama of the redemption of the world. She is uh, taken into this moment by, by literally calling her from the cross and telling her to behold her son and John to behold his mother. So she's, she's now... It's solidified for all of time and eternity uh, in the word, in the gospel, that she is there and she's given this new vocation. 
And uh, it must have been very difficult for her. She's trading Jesus for John. No offense to John, but, you know, he's no Jesus. And so she's giving up her true flesh and blood uh, for uh, the disciple John, who, who Jesus loved very much. Uh, but, you know, another – it's fascinating. They're all coming back to my memory. So another uh, piece of uh, Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich's writings is about this moment. Now, Jesus and his mother apparently could communicate without words. Uh, I, I dare use the word telepathically, but basically they could listen to each other without speaking. And in this moment when she's standing at the cross, according to the writings of Anne Catherine Emmerich on The Passion, which is the, the main body of work that Mel, Gibbs, Mel Gibson uh, based all of the fill-in in the Passion of the Christ that was, you know, in addition to the Gospels, he filled in the rest of the movie with the writings of Anne Catherine Emmerich from uh, this book, the, the Passion of the Christ. And uh, as Mary is standing at the foot of the cross, she's saying to him in her thoughts, please let me go with you. She wants to die. She, her husband has gone uh, ahead of her, Joseph. Now her son, her only son is dying. And she says, let me go with you. And Jesus responds by saying, behold your mother. And she realizes now she has a new mission in him giving her to John and John to, to Mary. Um, so again, it would have been hard, you know, because her request is denied because the greater request of this new mission she will have has to be fulfilled. And of course, she does it with total and perfect grace and uh, goes forth in the new mission. After Jesus ascends to the Father, she would uh, she would be the one who was mothering those apostles in the upper room. They were very much afraid of being crucified themselves. And so she would be the one that would be consoling them and also um, giving them hope, giving them great hope. And, you know, it's no uh, coincidence that the Holy Spirit finds his way to the upper room, I would say primarily because she's there and that's his spouse. And where Mary is, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell. And so she's like the beacon that guides the Holy Spirit down into the upper room for Pentecost. Uh, I, I would say it's also interesting because Jesus is the one who gave Mary to you and to me. Um, and he did this at the cross as blood is flowing out of his body, uh, and I would imagine it was so difficult to speak that these words would come out with, with trembling and his voice cracking and quivering. But he did it uh, because of the great tenderness he has for you, for you who are listening right now. Uh, he wanted to share his mother, this perfect mother, with all of us that we would be able to benefit from her prayers, her intercession, and all the graces she would be supplied with to take care of us. So an amazing moment uh, at the cross when um, this, this perfect crown jewel of creation, the Blessed Virgin Mary, is given to each of us as our mother too. 
And I think we're, I don't want to go any further because we'll save these for tomorrow. The uh, the next four words from the cross and uh, th their meaning and what we can glean from them. Uh, again, if you're going to be in the Boston area, I'm going to be up there uh, this Thursday giving a talk um, on spiritual warfare in Quincy. I forget the name of the church. I believe it's St. Mary's. Let me see if I can find that. And uh, I would be so honored to uh, meet you, whoever can come. And it's St. Mary's Church on Crescent Street in Quincy, Mass., uh, and the talk begins at 7 p.m. this Thursday. And that's going to be it for today. May the blessing of Almighty God... Oh, one more thing. I am now not just on Spotify. I keep forgetting to do these things. Uh, I apologize to our producer, Kevin, who has been so amazing in putting together and getting things organized with regard to all these new uh, apps we can find the broadcast on. So I'm on Apple Podcast. I'm on Spotify, uh, Radio Maria Play, and uh, you can go and find me there, Battle Ready with Father Dan Rehill. Click follow, and that'll bring the podcast into you every day. And if you like them, you can share them with friends by clicking the share button and spread the word of God out there. Okay. May the blessing of Almighty God come down upon you and remain with you forever in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is Father Dan signing out.